Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. What's the deal, folks? Forbes! Nobody act black and then go home and be white. It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. That brother and rest uh, condolences to his family. Uh, I wish that brother had a gun on him while he was jogging, so he could have defended himself against those thugs, those goons, uh, those terrorists. Uh, I call them vanilla ISIS. That's what I call them. They hunted him down like he was a deer. And I would also tell all my brothers and sisters out there to go buy yourself a legal firearm and learn how to use it so you can protect yourself and your family. I am 2A all day, and I think when you're a black person in America, owning a legal firearm is a form of self-care. So that's my thoughts on that. I wish that brother had a gun on him while he was jogging, but he could have defended himself. I would much rather see him, you know, uh, in, in prison fighting for his freedom, uh, in jail fighting for his freedom, as opposed to, you know, being in a casket right now. Charlamagne. And we are back with the Afrocentric podcast. And the name of this episode is Vanilla Isis. And y'all will not believe the old head that I got in the building tonight. We got Sparkles. <laughs> greatest, most talented mind sitting right next to me. And I'm so glad to introduce my co-host for today, Matthew Miles. Hello, hello. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Um, no complaints. We love it. I yes, love I am. It. Um, today, we are going to be talking about white on white crime. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about black on black crime. And we're also going to be talking about, I guess, white crime throughout history and showing like the different sides of violence through white people. Mm -hmm. Um. What are your thoughts about this topic before we dive into it? I think it's interesting. I think it's one of those topics that, you know, the way we have been socialized makes us think, you know, it's not like a thing. You know, only uh, certain groups are responsible for this. But the people who are controlling the narrative, you know, have really created this image like they are not like the primary perpetrators. So I think it's interesting to deep dive in it because there's a lot of conversations just, just not being had because people don't always even know to be having it. Yes, or they're scared to have those conversations. Then, I think that's a that's big That's a big one. part of it, too. Yes, and we are mm -hmm. going to talk about that when we start to talk about, like, the Murdoch murders, mm -hmm. because I think that was a large part of it, was the being scared, being scared into secrecy and silence. Mm -hmm. But before we dive in, I do want you to introduce yourself so yes. that we can get a credibility established in this bad boy. Exactly. 
Okay, so uh, my name is Matthew Miles. Um, I am from Sartre, Mississippi, born and raised. Uh, Morgan and I went to high school together uh, way back in the day. Back uh, in the gap. Yeah, Sartre High School alumni. Um, I went to Mississippi State University. Uh, my major was in communications, journalism. Um, as far as accreditations go, um, I read. I don't even know how to tell you. I read. Yes, uh, read. yes I, I stay up to date. The last book I read, I'm trying to think of the last good one that I read. Um, when I was on vacation in Florida, uh, I was reason, reading um, why I'm not no longer talking to white people about race. Oh, who is that by? Um, I want to say Tana Hesey Coates. Don't let me tell you the wrong name. I let me let me pull it up. I got it in my Kindle you right take now. Take your time. Yes. Um, but interesting read. Um, and I'm interested in topics like that. You know, deep dives on race and knowing how uh, those relations have like evolved mm -hmm. um, and put us in the position that we're in now. Um, but yes, it was very enlightening. Um, and uh, beyond just reading, um, you know, books itself, I read articles. I read everything. I do too. I like to do like back. You know what I was talking about the other day? I don't. I was wrong. I'm sorry. The author that is uh, Rene Edo Lodge. That's who the author of this book Say is. Say it again. Rene Edo Lodge. Uh -huh. Yes. Fantastic book. Look into it. Why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Fantastic read. I love it. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Okay, so I was talking about how when black people understand that Google is like the literal source of intelligence sitting right in your hand, and oh, when yeah. you get to the point where you start researching on your own instead of asking people, you'll mm -hmm. be truly liberated. Because yep. I don't think people have that knowledge to be able to go out and get the information that they're looking for. They just want people to do it for themselves. And absolutely. And, you know, um, I think part of the, the thing with that is in the world we live in, Information overload is a thing. It's mm -hmm. there is so much that some people really just don't know where to start. And I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing that you need it brought to people. Um, even something as simple as TikTok, we were talking about earlier, can bring you all kinds of stuff. Uh -huh. Like will bring you an idea you have never heard of in your life just on a Tuesday afternoon on your couch. I love um, um TikTok be teaching people how to steal real good. Steal. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, the shoplifting hats from No, well, they say no. Now, if you was going to steal, uh -huh. never go into Walmart and steal. Really? Because that's the one I feel like people always say it's okay to steal. From. Hell no. So Walmart has this new updated shopping system uh -huh. where if you go to self-checkout and your ID is in your bag um, and you go in to steal, they take pictures within the machine oh, yeah. that can see within your purse, within your wallet. They can take pictures of your cars and your ID. Like, it's bad. And Target is the same way, too. So Target will wait until you steal $1,000 worth of merchandise before they call the police on I you. I have heard about that. But Walmart, they're going to get you for the old and for the new. Immediately. On dime. And I love that. Well, I don't love that. But you also, but you know. <laughs> when I encourage stealing from um large institutions, mm -hmm. I feel like they fuck us. So why won't we fuck them over too? Plus they have the insurance to be able to cover it. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the violence. I mean, capitalism. Is violence. In and of itself. I, okay, come on. So the first question I have for you this afternoon is yes. what does black on black crime actually mean? Yeah, I saw that and, and I thought about it. It really doesn't mean, and if you ask me and I guess, you know, do a deep dive on it, I don't think it means much of anything. I think it's just propaganda. Like, okay. It's one of those things where, you know, inherently it is a us versus them dehumanizing kind of tactic. You know, um, at best, it's like, hey, um, a place we want to put white guilt to not really deal with any of the problems. 
Uh It's one of those situations where you can say, all right, but this is y'all's problem now. Yes. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you read one book and see why things are like this and you realize that's a messed up perspective. Mm -hmm. But it is propaganda, a distraction. It's not even... It's not real outside of, you know, subjugating black people. Yeah. That's the point of it. Uh-huh. So, okay. So, have you ever heard of the 1350, like, Nazi dog whistle? Actually, no. So, okay. So, the statistic is, is that, that thir- oh, thir- oh, 13% of the population, 50% of the crime. There but, we go. Yes, I know it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it is a dog whistle for those who do not know or may not be aware of it. So, neo-Nazis use the 1350 signal as a way to justify racism. And that's the same thing mm-hmm. that we're saying. It's propaganda. So, like, when white people say, why, why don't you trust blacks? They say blacks are violent. I'm scared of black people. And they say, how do you know that? Well, 13% of blacks are make up the population and they complete 50% of the crime, which is actually not even true. Mm-hmm. But that is what they use to justify white hate. Yep. And you really get into it. How, who gets to justify what is crime? Like white people, if the people who are in control of defining this is a criminal behavior are the people in control, then you, they also get to control the narrative of like, who is committing crime because if they can see oh something even as simple as drug use you know you talk about you hear people talking about you know the decriminalization of drugs just for the fact you know there's so many white people are using drugs white people are using drugs and even then um we'll talk later about you know the protection that being white can provide you with something like you know oh white kid gets caught with marijuana that kids kids will be kids yeah. black kids get caught with marijuana's Throw them jokers up under, under the jail. Please. Immediately. Um, so yeah, no, 100 percent I can see that being like, you know, the standard for how you know that conversation can go. Um, using it immediately as a scapegoat. Just here. Mm-hmm. Black on black crime. Look at this. Now find an answer to that. Right. So usually when we hear the phrase black on black crime, mm-hmm. it's associated with like police brutality. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, do you believe that black on black crime is a valid argument to deflect away from police brutality? Um, obviously, no. Like it's uh, police brutality, I think you could even really argue, is like a part of black people's the, the systemic disenfranchisement of black communities. Like, I think, you know, when you when you do the things that you've done, you know, over-police black communities like that, you know, police brutality is just a side effect of what they're already doing to subjugate us. You know, mm-hmm. it is, if anything, a reminder like, hey, you're beneath us and the people who we are having uphold the law um, are going to be responsible. They're going to be, you know, the people throwing the blows uh, to keep you in place and remind you, you know, of what's going on here. Uh, no one's here to hear your cry. You know, we have destroyed your community on purpose, uh, mind you. And now, you know, we've got a police uh, presence here. It's literally, you know, state-sanctioned violence being directed into your community. Um, and it's just a show of force. That's what I think police brutality is. So um, I don't think it's an uh, a scapegoat at all or a proper, you know, what about it? And they say, oh, you know, black on black crime the thing because uh, and it should be okay for a police officer to do this. You don't really care about black lives, blah, Damn. blah, blah, blah. Now that I'm listening to you talk, do you feel like that is the justification as to why Jackson is passing like these policing bills right oh, yeah. now? Oh, 100%. And, you know, it's one of those things where you know for a fact more police officers don't solve the issue. Like, who asked for this? Like, <laughs> no, like literally, like if the issue was just, oh, more cops, you know, 
That was a white on white crime. <laughs> that was a white on white crime. I mean, there was three white officers beating the shit out of a white citizen. That is the that is a white on white crime. Because the police department is a well-known white organization. It's a white gang. And they beat one of their own. So I don't know what the end fighting is going on with the white people. And I don't even want to know because I ain't involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just trying to deal with the black on black crimes. That's what I'm addressing. But ain't nothing been happening lately. So this white on white crime has got to stop. The Ukraines and the Russians, y'all doing it on all levels, you know. Major white on white crimes with the wars of the white peoples. And then, you know, just personal police against the white citizens. I don't know what's happening with you white people, but y'all need to calm down. Because you're scaring the rest of us. You know what I mean? I'm totally and utterly frightened. WLM? White Lives Matter. Now black people gonna start walking around with <laughs> I'm telling you, white lives matter, y'all. Like, yeah, yeah. No, nah, I ain't gonna help them protest. <laughs> All right. So the next question I wanted to ask you is: Is there such a thing as white on white crime? Um. Yeah, I would say if you want to look for you know examples of like just white people harming each other. I think you picked the perfect, the perfect group to like do a deep dive on, you know, on that specific question. Um, but I think it's really um, it's really big on how you like go about tackling, you know, um, is white on white crime a thing? Um, I think for a lot of reasons, especially like in modern U.S. history, um, you know, the, the situations we're seeing, um, the need for quote characterizing it as white on white crime has disappeared for white people. Like I said earlier, even as black on black crime was propaganda, I think um, as white people exist in their current form or how they at least socially exist, they don't really um, see the need for that distinction. And so even though we could have a conversation about, you know, oh, white people do this to each other, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know that like moving forward, it really does any, um, it does any any justice to like try to justify white on white crime because when you really get into it, you, we don't even have a definition of whiteness. If you ask me, that does not preclude violence. So if you so if you ask me and you're like, oh, um, is white on white crime a thing? I would say for the most part, whiteness is violence, and it's and it's you know perpetuation is always going to show up in a violent manner. You know. For the most part, you ask them who they are, they can't answer you because what is whiteness if not you? you know, what what are they if they don't think they're better than us? Very much so. So I was listening to an interview um, earlier today, and this white guy was talking about how when you're in America, yeah, you're white, but when you're getting in Europe, everybody is white. So then you have to learn about the difference between mm -hmm. ethnicities, and everybody looks white to you. But those who are in Europe can tell the difference between someone who is Russia, someone who is from Scandinavia, someone who is from Italy. Like you can see those differences, but you have to be within the culture to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. um, hold on about the conversation about white violence because we're gonna get we'll there. We'll get into it. Because it is yeah. a whole segment. I will say this though. Um, 
Truly, I feel like the epitome of white culture is a resemblance of Greek mythology, Greek mm-hmm. history, and Roman history and Roman mythology, which is um, a descendant of what ancient Egyptian mythology, ancient Sumerian mythology and history, right? So um, a lot of European believe that without a great understanding of Greek history, you're not truly educated. But to understand Greek history as well as Greek mythology is to understand that it truly is violence. So like so many mythical logical creatures within and um, repeatedly seen within Greek mythology, like Zeus, yeah, oh, um, oh, Her- oh, yeah. Hercules, also known as Hercules, mm-hmm. motherfucking Poseidon, um, those they were extremely they were rapists. Oh wait, uh, like the story of Poseidon uh, with um, the is it Athena? Uh, the temple he um, Poseidon invaded the temple and he rapes a maiden. That is Medusa. That's the story yes. of Medusa. Yes. So yeah. So let me go ahead and tell it because yeah. um, it is Medusa is actually very innocent in this story. Mm-hmm. So Medusa is a virgin and um, Athena is the goddess of war and information. So she was within the temple and Athena is the virgin goddess. So she is worshiping Athena day in and day out. And this makes Athena jealous because all the male suitors were standing around the temple and they wanted to hit that ass. But, um, okay, so what she did was is she she sent her some type of way to the sea with Poseidon and um, she got mad and she cursed her so that every man that she looked at would turn into stone. So she really was the victim in this situation. And what makes it worse is the way that she was killed because she was killed by Perseus. And um, when she was killed, what came from her was a giant as well as the most famous force in history, the Pegasus. So even within that violence still begots beauty, but there's the fact that violence is so deeply entrenched within the culture is yes. like they can't even see it. Mm-hmm. So, and that leads us to the next part of this question is what are some of the older examples of white on white crime that you can think of? Oh yeah. And you know, like that first point we're going to uh, like just the wars of religion. Um, I think of like the most, you know, common method of, you know, perpetuating white violence in this day and age is just going to be the white evangelical. Like that is, that identity is, White violence. That that identity is how they get it. That's how they get the message out. Like you think of like any kind of real life, you know. Oh, you want to practice Christianity, right? You get any kind of real life person who would do that, and then support something like the bar is as low as Donald Trump, literally. Mm-hmm. Like you think of like God and Donald Trump in the same sentence, and somehow they made it work. They did. They made they it. They made it work. Fit. Yes, they did. And it's like. How did you get there? How did we do that? How did we get from point A to point B? I don't know, but they made it there. Um, The white evangelical culture is very much dangerous because, number one, it's a cult. And I feel like white cults are a great example of white violence Mm -hmm. just because they abuse the people who are within the cults like very much on a mental, physical financial level mm-hmm. they abuse the people who follow within cults but that is another conversation for yes. another day um i feel like what white evangelicals are trying to do is like completely erase the history so that people are so fucking dumb that they will fall for anything and believe everything and mm-hmm. then they'll become a victim of capitalism yep and i think and I, sometimes i really can't tell if 
it is, you know, just an absolution of guilt thing. Like they just don't want to think about it. You know, they don't want to think about the fact that you open a history book and you can see, hey, literally 60 years ago, this is what y'all were up to. Like, I don't know if they don't want to claim any kind of, you know, moral or social responsibility for that. Or if, you know, all of them really do actively just want to perpetuate, you know, white supremacy. They just want to be on top at all times. Um, and, you know, I don't even know at this point if I care if there's a difference. Like, I don't care if there's a difference. I spent a lot of time, you know, thinking, oh, you know, maybe there is a meaningful distinction uh, to be made there. But I really don't know that there is. No, it's all greed. Even the most, mm -hmm. like, um, I guess, well parts of, like, white evangelical churches are, like, the financial churches, the ones that focus on the gospel, the prosperity gospel, those who teach prosperity gospel, like uh, Joel Osteen, yeah. who's all about money and giving back. But even we see his church is extremely abusive. You remember there was a time where a hurricane, the hurricane yeah, went through he was, They were on him. They occurred for those who don't know, a hurricane went through the area in which their church was in. I believe their church was in Texas, and um, he wouldn't allow anyone. This is a mega church, huge. This is a campus, basically. It is, and no one would be able, but um, to be able to stay within their church or be able to get hostage, be able to um, find shelter within the church. Um, and it's sad, but even um, his wife has like a very terrible reputation for having a very nasty really? attitude. Yes. Um, I remember a situation where she was flying on an airplane and she spazzed out on a flight attendant. Just so nasty and so rude. And, you know, that's just them because, again, within them, I do feel like that is a part of their culture. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. The way they're socialized, I mean, you can really talk about how. Um, white women especially like they weaponize that that's what like white women tears are like you know they turn on that that cry baby like oh you know now all of a sudden it's a problem and interestingly i see that specific application of white violence a lot in the workplace um and it's almost always targeted at black women you talking about in hr um not even necessarily in hr i'm talking like sitting at your desk just having if it goes to hr i can see it perpetuated there mm -hmm. um but you know genuinely um white women getting to play the victim and then all of a sudden you know immediately the black woman who is who might be you know the other end of the, the situation is aggressive is now the problem mm -hmm. like all of a sudden a white woman starts crying and now guess who's in trouble guess who the guess who the blade is pointing yeah, at the, black the nearest black person in the vicinity yes. there is no no explanation no no story to be had um I've had a lot of thoughts. So, like, white women do have a historical, like, there is a history of white women, um, what is it, perpetuating white womanhood in a way that they could get what they want. Um, there's a lot of articles that show, like, white women during the early 1600s, like, using frailness or weakness or incompetence in order to like be awarded their child in like disputes because you know um mississippi was actually the first case to be able to allow a woman to be able to divorce her husband uh, a white woman was the first one in america from mississippi i did not know that yes um they were very progressive in that way 
Um, and then you have to think about like in the 1950s when you have the creation of all these white clubs, like uh, for what is it, the four clovers? What is it, 4H? Um, H4? 4H, yeah, yes, 4H. So, like, those are white or the tomato club, but they're also like um, these off trail shoots of like the white women who puts clan branch, really? and that is a great example of white women perpetuating violence and it also reminds me of this concept called white republican motherhood so in the 1950s white women were responsible for like the private sphere of the home uh -huh. so they of course cook clean they're responsible for educating white boys to become white strong republican men and raising their white girls to become educated white women that could grow and birth white Republican men. So while they were operating within the private sector, white women were um, also having a large handful of the public sector because mm -hmm. they were able to confuse and like convince their husbands to do their biddings at home. So like oh, yeah. they have so much control within over the public sector from the private sector. Yeah, they, they wield that violence and they know how to. Like that that's literally but they always get overlooked. Mm -hmm. When we think of the Ku Klux Klan, we always think of the white men. We never think about the bitches that made the hoods. Exactly. Who cut the holes <laughs> out my hoods? I can't see out this motherfucker. <laughs> that what that man said. That is what they said. But even like, I think it's funny how um, black men worship mafia culture, but yeah. mafia culture is white on white violence. Yes. Um, I think one of... Uh, one of the most insightful things I've read, you know, in trying to, um, you know, read about oppression and just learn about what's going on around me, um, is I saw a, a, a point that someone said that, you know, you have to be really wary when you're talking uh, to even black men because a lot of people have been convinced that, you know, that what they ultimately want, black men specifically here, is is to be white men. Proximity That's what they whiteness. want. Yep. And once I learned that, and I started really looking at some of the people around me, what they were saying, I could see it. Uh -huh. it they just want to be, they're mad. They're, just, they're not the runners up. They're not the next in line. And that's what they want to be. And I. That's what white women and black men have in common. Have in common. Yep. yep. Next, they're, quote, competing for the same spot. It's that. Yeah, they want, they both want to suck the white man deep. Yes. There's a beautiful way to put it. Yep, it's a it's a sad it's a sad state of affairs. Um, but you really gotta like look into it to really understand that and not become that. I, I think I feel like any one of us who are down within the intersection mm -hmm. does not have to look into it to be able to feel mm -hmm. it. Like as a black woman, as a black plus size woman, I'm gonna feel it. I'm attracted to black men. So, I mean, hell, even if you just get on the internet, you're going to see what type of fucked up shit these black men are on. And I'm tired of talking about the passport pookies and all the passport yep. bros and all that. I just get tired of hearing about it. You're just tired of hearing. And it's, it's the same conversation. It just never goes anywhere. And that's the, that's the point of it. Um, because, like I said, uh, you know, we're talking about that, that violence, that image that they put up there. Um, it is still actively subjugating. And that's why they are still always actively, you know, People who are uninformed, who are, you know, misogynistic, who are, you know, just not aware, always trying to be that person. You know, now that we talking about it, because, okay, because there's other minority races that need to be 
blamed and point the finger at too. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what? I have a really big issue as of lately with minority people mm-hmm. and number one, their racism towards black people, even though they wouldn't have what they have right now without black people in yeah. our progress and movement. But even like the play it's a lot of black men who are going to like Cambodia, Colombia to find modernized black, non black women to be able to cook and clean traditional housewives. But all those women over there are perpetrating black women stereotypes, but also downplaying black women. And they are extremely harmful towards the community. Like, and when we think about like their proximity to whiteness, you can really see that within Asian communities. Oh yeah, you think anti-blackness is actually its own thing. You could have a whole episode on anti-blackness as it is. Um, it it is an extension, you know, of that white violence, but it is also its own animal like people will just fight to be seen as anything but black uh, but black so um yeah that doesn't surprise me at all that people are doing that what what surprises me is that i didn't realize that asian people or the asian community was like a non-active demographic like they don't vote they don't really i did not realize and i i could see that being the case yes like Um, they're very much like on their own together mm-hmm. so like but it's just them because hispanic people they go vote they vote yeah that's a that's a pretty they I mean they have even large republican voting blocks and i think that is strange too yes. because i feel like they're going against their own best will but when you are assimilating to whiteness and you're striving for their proximity to whiteness like then you have shit that goes on like um during covid when trump called on um, covid the China virus, and oh, you had yeah. all this white violence perpetrated towards Asian people, right? So you got old Asian biddies rolling down hills, getting knocked out at grocery stores. Mm. They getting called uh, racial slurs and shit. And then when it's time to vote, you ain't voting out the motherfuckers that was beating up your grandma and your grandpa that y'all was so scared of. And I'm like, that I mean, that is white violence. That is it. And you know, you were talking earlier about the people praising the mafia and how that was how that isn't young but don't like crime. I really just think what's what was interesting about even that time period is that um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of white people, you know, you've assimilated, you know, they don't think back at that time and think, oh, um Italian people were like treated differently, they were their own thing. At this point, you know, 2023. I don't hear people make that distinction. I don't know who you talk to. Maybe you are around people who constantly make that distinction. But when I talk, when I meet my everyday white people, they don't, they will say it if they want to sound cool. They will say it if they want to seem oppressed. Yes. Or sound, it's a card. It's an identity they can whip out when they want to. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a neat fact. It's a tidbit. It's not a. Yes. And I think that it's very interesting that you brought this up because I feel like white people go through this oppression Olympics. Yes. Because they are they are the creme de la creme. They the top tier white people. So now that they got a target on their back because everybody see it for what it is, now it's like, oh, I got a mental health issue. I'm oh. not, oh, 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 my grandma Italian. I'm not black. Yeah. Oh, not white. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, my piano teacher was black. I'm not racist. Oh. So like yeah, I'm missing a third toe. I'm disabled. <laughs> like, the bar is low for them. They would do anything to get away from it, and I think that's just a part of the guilt for the most part. Like I, I don't understand why they're trying to prove that to me. Oh, and, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I'm not the person you should be telling this to. But even if it is true, why should I care? You ain't doing nothing else productive. Like this is the only time you're willing to have this conversation, and so I don't say, you know, hey. 
why are you contributing this? You know, hey, like why? Like what are what are you adding to the conversation of actually solving the issues that are up front? And the issue that part is that it's nothing. And it's a cop out. It's not an issue for them. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to maintain their power and control but they don't want that target on their back and that's why they say it's so hard to be a white man nowadays yeah i've heard people i've heard people say that with a straight face i believe it's with hard straight, to be a white a man face. at least in the sense of like if you're gonna have any kind of social accountability i mean it's a, let's just be real about it white women ain't got no problem with nobody else but with the white man so you know white women on white men ass <laughs> oppression <laughs> You get 35 more cents an hour than me. I hate you. That's white women. So then, then you got niggas. Niggas like you, y'all putting us in jail. Y'all putting drugs on. So they point the fingers. Black women been on white men. I, mean, I, can, I can see that. I, I can see that too. And I know it is, especially if you was really born rich and you were supposed to. Like, imagine you was born in the late 1980s as a white boy and your parent, you, you sitting on your grandpa's knee and he telling you, grandson, you're going to inherit the world. The world is yours. You are a white man. And when I die, you're going to have $5 million just given to you because you white. And this your legacy. And you make it to 2023 and everybody hates oh, your ass. Everybody, everybody open Twitter. <laughs> but white men, that's all you hear. Non-stop. Them white men be nervous. I know they do, but they need to stop what they doing. I mean, if that's the, like, the consequence they get after everything, and first off, not even have to really engage with it. Because I'll tell you, I think some of them are probably stressed out. But the only ones stressed out are the ones bothering to read at all. Well, I feel like instead of making them stressed out, maybe they're um, like people accepting their villain error. Mm -hmm. Maybe like an Elon Musk. I feel like everybody oh, yeah. hates Elon Musk. But he got the kind of money where he he has benefited from. He's at the top of that that line. He feels like he has reached that that pinnacle of what we've been talking about of white lines of capitalism. So when we are talking about white on white crime, um, the question that I wanted to ask you is, do you believe that violence is a part of white culture? Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, we touched on a lot of it already. Uh -huh. um, but a point I kind of already made uh, is a note that I had here is you really got to like define white. What is, you know, white culture when you talk about like in, at least United States? I feel like that's, that's kind of like the framework of the conversation around us. What does that even mean? I don't think most of them have a cultural identity outside of that inherent violence, outside of that inherent problem. And, you know, I saw someone some, where someone said, you know, maybe white people would be happier if they if they reconnected with that German, with that Scottish, with that Irish. With the, if they went, you know, if they went and they tried to find who they were before they were, you know, sold that image, you know, white evangelical, you know, all those things they have been taught. So... It's such an interesting take on that because I completely agree with you. So, um, you know, right now, um, America as a whole is going through like this spirituality phase mm -hmm. right now. So, like, a lot of people are migrating away from the church and they're trying to go towards spirituality. So, a lot of people believe in, believe in past lives and future lives. Mm -hmm. So, lately, I've been seeing a lot of white people who believe that in their past life they were Hitler. I've been seeing that. Yeah, so... Is, was this been on TikTok? Yes. TikTok is like the worst... <laughs> It's like the bare bones of the yes. of the world. So, oh my goodness! So like this, he um this white guy, I believe he's in New York. He in a past life, he was Hitler. 
and he he's wearing all of the eagle scout the 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 all of the little what's the rankings on his yeah. shoulder he didn't cut his mustache down he didn't slick his hair down and that was him in a past life and that don't bother him that don't bother him at all and like you would think that would that would bother, bother your someone. spirit. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. if you, I feel like if I had that thought, I would think I would want to talk to a therapist. No, no, really. If you, and that's a bold claim to make anyway. I mean, you could have been anybody in your past life, and you want to say you were Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the you, you want to talk about you know glorifying. Yeah. There, you, you gotta, you, you gotta ask one or two questions when somebody resorts to calling themselves that, because that's a bold claim. It is, and I feel like they, they have this like, okay. I've been also seeing a lot of people talking about the serial killers too. So like, when they were, what was that big serial killer docu series that went uh, crazy on Dahmer. Netflix? Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer. So a lot of people were saying that they were Dahmer in a past life, or how they wish they could be Dahmer. They were romanticizing all these negative, these negative, scary ass stereotypes, and uh, fucking serial killers are an American thing. Nobody, yeah. nowhere else have issues with security. Serial killers the way America does. And, uh, and Europe. Yes, it is a culturally praised thing. I mean, you talk about something like as simple as school shootings, and I've had this idea, this opinion for a while. People have asked, you know, oh, you know, gun control, what can we do about school shootings? I literally think that is a cultural quote fad. Yes. It is something that has been praised in a, in a specific manner that people will continue to do it until it's not, until it's not the crime to commit anymore, it, quote. Yes. Like, Oh, like, so in America, they use guns. Mm-hmm. Over in Europe, they use knives. They just going to stab and squeeze. Mm-hmm. And in Europe and in Canada. And they wanted to find a gun, they could. But that's just not the, that's not where the cultural, uh, um, the, the cultural nuance, idea nuance. is. Nuance. Is not, zeitgeist, I think is kind of the word. Yeah. That it's, that's not where it is. It's not at, you know, um, shooting people. It's with stabbing there. And like here, shooting we gonna go and shoot everybody. And you know what? You are absolutely right. And they're gonna keep on doing it until they feel like it's not cool no more. So um I saw this story about the first um serial killers that um who were the serial killers that shot up the first school? Um, what is it? Camp Columbine. Columbine, yeah. I don't so, know, was that the first? That was the first. It was one of the it biggest. Was the first televised. Yeah, one of the really big ones. So, yeah. um, they were mimicking these 1920 murders that were um happening. I want to say in New York, where these two elitist, rich white men wanted to commit the perfect crime. That's all they wanted to do. So they kidnapped one of the little brothers and murdered him. And they went through all this trouble just trying not not just trying to commit the perfect crime. Like no rhyme, no reason as to why you wanted to do it. You just wanted to do it just to get away oh, with it. Imagine like the 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 kind of rearing, the kind of like shelter they had in their whiteness to really sit there and like ponder something like that. Like to really think about the privilege, I know that sounds like a bad word to use, but to sit there and really contemplate murder like that, mm-hmm. like you ain't worried about surviving, you ain't worried about what your pa- what's gonna happen to your family, you mm-hmm. ain't worried about anything. Literally, a white person just trying to prove themselves mm-hmm. that is the end result, mm-hmm. like they, sh- killing people, it's committing a crime, mm-hmm. it, and it's scary to see how well romanticized it is because, like, I know people were scared. For Halloween after the Dahmer series actually dropped because they really were walking around like Jeffrey Dahmer. They had black body. I seen costumes that had like black body parts cut up and little, and they had toddlers 
walking around like Jeffrey Dahmer with body, like baby doll, black baby doll parts yeah. on their body. That's just weird to me. And it's, 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 it's fetishized, romanticized, normalized. Normalized. I mean, don't mess up and have been like on Tumblr during that area. Oh, them kids. But that was like the bread and butter of certain aspects of the internet. Like the romanticization of that type of violence. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I honestly don't think it can be divorced from, you know, American history or, you know, that image. And that's why they're trying to do something about CRT, because it can't be divorced from it. Just like it's just like imagining Germany trying to divorce fucking World War Two from everybody's fucking memory. Oh, yeah. You can't do that without like you. That's a huge sector of the history. Yeah, And they definitely um, to my knowledge, it's a pretty um, it's a pretty taboo thing over there. I mean, I think they pretty, they kind of handled it, quote, but it's definitely one of those things where it's like a this happened, we would rather not talk about it. You know, I think, you know, they've got the museums, they've got Auschwitz, you know, it's definitely recognized, which is better than what some of these people would do about Confederate stuff, you know, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. Uh huh. Um, but it's still, it's one of those things that there's shame around it, and they'd rather just expunge it from the record. Well, let's shift to a different form of violence, mm -hmm. because I feel like now we're talking about, like, intellectual violence, or, mm -hmm. like, violence against the mind, because that's definitely what they're doing with CRT, critical race theory, mm -hmm. as well as, like, the transgender laws, which I feel like is another form of, like, violence. It's an extension of other things. It's a, it's a deep conversation, you know? It's is it violence? Yes, it is violence in the same extension of, you know, that white evangelical identity. You know, who are they if they aren't all these things they've been told? And they can be told anything. Mm -hmm. You know, we are really talking about people who not that long ago would have sat in a church sermon using the same Bible they read now to justify, to justify Jim Crow, to justify slavery, to justify anything. Like, so let's talk about um, the violence perpetrated through sex. I okay. feel like white people have a very long history of, oh my God, rape and rape culture. Uh -huh. I feel like that is a way that they enact violence on a lot of people. Yeah. And um, like, again, you can see that through Roman mythology, through Roman culture, and you can see that throughout enslavement. You can see that through all types of taboo violence throughout history where they would rape the women and children. Mm -hmm. White men would save themselves and leave and do it all over again. You see, yeah, and, and I'll tell you, it's one of those things where um, it echoes through society. And if you don't unlearn it, if you don't you know, make it a point to see it and call it out when you see it, um, as we were saying earlier about you know some black men trying to take up that mantle, you see those same behaviors repeated, just parroted in a way that is just, it is insane. It boggles the mind, um, you know, that people would, you know, pick up that, that same, that rhetoric, the same rhetoric, you know, and turn it on black women to turn it on, you know, the uh, nearest, yes, yes. Um, just the nearest, the nearest person that they think they can, you know, crush under their thumb. That's, very true. Yeah. That is very true. And I think that is well, it's important to say that the Republican Party's tactic this year was to find more black men to get to join um, the party. And it wasn't a large amount that they got to join, but I feel like we will over time see more black men joining the Republican Party. And you, you know, you think that would be one of those situations where you take two seconds of critical thought and understand that's a bad idea as a black man. They thought Herschel Walker uh -huh. would date with a straight face. Uh-huh. Full chest. Yes. Thought Herschel Walker was gonna talk to them. <laughs> How 
How you feel about Christian Walker? I really don't. <laughs> I don't feel about him. I think about it. I'm like, well, you know, if you're going to be a, a political grifter like that and you're going to try to make take up that role as like, oh, I'm going to call my dad out because he did this, 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 this. I've seen the other things Christian Walker has said on the Internet. I try to avoid thinking about him. But when I do think about him, I just say, you know, you trying to profit off of. We've seen it before. I feel like it's a story. It's not gonna work. Either. It's not. It's not gonna work. There's he. The point he's trying to make, he ain't making it to the right people. The, the, then people gonna say, yeah, he, Christians right, and then turn around and put the same and just oppress him, just like, like thank you for the support. Boop. You, you are absolutely. We got right. you. Yes, and that's what white violence does. Because yeah. white violence doesn't care about the victims; it only cares about consumption. That's it. That's it. And that's why I said, like even said earlier, it's like, what is it when it is not, you know, consuming? When it is not being violent, what is its identity? It has made so much of its um of its core on not being black, on not being any other race, on being white. It literally just it's self-aggrandizing. It just praises itself for the sake of it. Um. There is literally no point. They just say, "Oh, whiteness. Whiteness is is the goal. That's it. It's it's its own um, it's its own fuel." Which is why I feel like it has gone on for so long. People are so resistant to changing their ideas. Mm -hmm. um, it just feeds itself. Um, you got to break that cycle willingly, or or you know at least be brought out of it. Do you feel like white men? I, I don't know why I keep on resorting back to white men. I feel like, okay, so we both went to Mississippi State, uh -huh. PWI, predominantly white institution. Um, I sat in a lot of, like, um, I guess what would be considered CRT classes that talked yeah. about diverse conversations and stuff like that. Number one, I rarely saw white men in those classes. Number two, when white men were in those classes, they never spoke up. So then when I get on TikTok, what I do like about TikTok, I feel like TikTok breaks the third wall and it gives us the opportunity to see parts of whiteness like um, in leisure in which we never been able to see before. It yeah. gives us an opportunity to see within their personal lives. And I'm learning that a lot of white people will go to these institutions and pretend to be conservative for the sake of grades or presentation and then they'll just be like fuck that bullshit and go back and choose to be conservative choose to be neo-nazi nationalist mm -hmm. like they choose to be that way oh yeah no and that i think that's a thing like 100 i think um a lot of what goes on is uh especially in when you get into specifically like political um alignments or like um you know school or like just any kind of institution of higher learning or political whatever um is that even in good scenarios where you see you know white people white men specifically who who are you know seemingly intelligent and have like the quote correct opinions mm -hmm. um a lot of that stuff can be born from its own type of arrogance that isn't necessarily you know oppression is wrong you know black people are actually people they just want to be right they do they just want to be and they right. gonna find new ways to be right to be right and you know i think it's easy for us to sit around and us have this conversation and know you know we might be throwing our own spins and our own opinions on some things but we know that we're we're probably correct about a lot of the things that we're analyzing like we know the points we're making are based in the reality the truth that we live um so we can speak to experience and know hey you know we're right this is wrong you are mistreating you know so and so and so and so but they just kind of look and say oh 
this does sound right. This does make me look good. You know, you were talking, you said it's hard to be a white man right now. Probably a little easier if you have the good opinion. If you have the opinion that will make, oh, you know. Oh, that ain't get you invited that to the barbecue, that get you invited, to the know, cookout. Oh, we inviting you to the oh, cookout. Oh, honey. And you know what? That is so true. Um, I was watching, because last week we were talking about um, Divine Nine, and I was talking mm-hmm. to Skylar about how he felt about white people infiltrating Greek um, Greek organizations, oh, Divine good, Nine. It was really that great. That was a good So um, one of the examples that I found when I was researching is that there is this um, white, what is it when um, when they go to HBCUs and they're over like the band and stuff, like the band, they have the large batons and they march out on, on what are they called? Drum majors? Okay, so like there's this one white I feel famous, like there's a word for it and I can't think of it either. It's a drum major, isn't it? Is yeah, it? he's he's that nigga go to HBCU. Really? Yeah. Okay, I felt like so, there was a word for it, but I guess you, that's it. Yeah. So like, it's this white guy. His name is like White Funk, and like he is a drum major over at HBCU band, and he's more famous than any other drum major within HBCU band history. And it's simply just because he white, and he white. just so happened to have a little rhythm. He get the one. The two. bar is so. It is, but it's niggas' fault. It's niggas' fault. Yeah, niggas' standards is to the flow. It is so low, and and you see that. And I've even seen people try to make this point about like rappers. I've I've seen people say say that about like Eminem before. What? Like, um, I saw a conversation. This was on Facebook the other day about you know how um about somebody made the comment. It was another rapper who said that. Eminem was only as famous as he was because he's white. Yeah. Um, and people say you know Eminem will freely admit that that like whiteness contributed to his to his success. Um, he tends to be you know at least one of the people who at least knows to say the right stuff. Um, but I look at that and then some people were mad at him about it. But I looked at the people who were mad, and Eminem appeals to white people. He do. And so he appeals to white people. You know and what? Yes. Um, do you watch No Jumper Adam 22? No. Do you know who I'm talking about? I feel like it's familiar to me, but I can't tell you that I have 100%. So no, and I'm so sorry that I cut you off. No, you're good. You're not cutting me off. So um, No Jumper is the number one podcast, streaming podcast platform in the world right now. And it has been for a long time. And it's ran by this white guy named Adam 22. Mm-hmm. And he is an OnlyFans star. Him and his wife, they fuck bitches together. They white. I just find it very peculiar that him as a white man has become completely famous and completely rich over analyzing and observing rap like black hip hop right so he dibble and dabble his crackled up hands all up into black music black business in fact um, Adam 22 sent a reporter out to the Megan Thee Stallion Tory Lanez um, court interviews and he actually reported on the information wrong so like people this this is the problem again another problem with niggas because they don't know what sources to use mm-hmm. so they following this nigga and he done sent his own court people out there to the court to review and analyze and research and they say that Tory Lanez was found not guilty and it's completely wrong. That was yeah, that was just false. It was false, and it was um a day before the verdict had even actually came out, and he was finna get sued. I'm pretty sure Megan still will sue him. But that's another example of like, and it's time and time again where Adam has put his nose in business that ain't had no business for him to uh-huh. be within, and put his white 
two cents over it and he's only accepted because he's considered like this cool white guy and he says some of the right shit but now he's getting to a point where he's overstepping boundaries you know, i think you really could have a whole episode on how like a lot of like the name of the game these days despite you know the white violence that we've been talking about a lot of the name of the game is is how close can we get to black without touching it ah. how close can we get without touching it and the closer you can get the more credible you are you yes man you okay so the kardashians are falling from grace right now because they are no longer doing this black persona so after 2020 they decided to stop tanning so hard took the in the tracks out dissolved their bbls and all their lip filler and shit and now they're going back to white so now that they are transitioning back to whiteness white people bored with their ass they said we don't want this shit. We don't care. Bring the box braids and the edges back, Kim. Kylie, where's your next black baby daddy gonna come from? We miss Kanye. We miss Travis. Tell him to kill another <laughs> set of bitches. We don't care. Oh. Sacrifice us. Like they and and that's what they want. Oh, you think of this stuff? <laughs> you <just be> <laughs> I love it. So like that's that's them though, cause the whiteness to them is born, and I feel like everything white culture does is like they take from other people and they try to make it their own. Like this summer when they was um making aqua frescas, them damn Mexican yes, and calling that shit spa water. Yeah, this is spa water. The Mexicans so motherfucking uh, upset. Did you hear when they were when they were? Uh, Putting on lotion and calling it slugging. Did you hear Vaseline. that? Vaseline. Yes. yes. Baby, my grandma been on about Vaseline boot. That's why she had no wrinkles. I was going to kindergarten shiny. Okay. Shiny head. To toe. Head to toe. And I still put my Vaseline on yes. to this day, but that's slugging. It's called slugging. Yes. And we love it for you, Cheryl. Not even Cheryl. I understand. Like, they, like I said, they have no, it, it's not an identity, it's not real. And that's why they take from literally everything. Because when we see right now, if I ask you, what is a white person going to have for lunch today, Matthew? What mm-hmm. they going to eat? That can go so many ways. Okay. That can go so many ways. I done heard mayonnaise sandwiches with a straight face. <laughs> I have. I really have. Please don't be on mine. Um, I don't know. Um, White people are going to have a nice PB&J with the crust cut off of it. You know what? And white grown white people, they just drink milk. Milk. At, 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 and they be grown age. They drink milk. Drinking a glass of milk. Maybe some cut up uh cucumbers, carrots. Interesting. I you know, something I've always thought about is I think it would be really interesting for somebody to do a report on white people in Mexican restaurants. I don't know if you have like seen this. Who ain't never heard of but something about the small town white people in Mexican restaurants? I think you could write a report on it. I thought about this so many times. They will be deep in the Mexican restaurant. Deep. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, every Thursday. Yes, or um, the way that they gobble down sushi and shit. They would. I, I really think, I think that somebody somewhere out there got a report on, on the, so the cultural idea behind like that specific action. I have never understood it in my life, but I just know they, if you want to find them, they there. They there. They gonna be there Nine on Tuesday. Tuesday all the time. Yeah, tequila Tuesday, titty Tuesday, picky poison. Cinco de Mayo. What? What? Oh, hold on, cause St. Patrick's Day just passed too. 
See, that's some Irish shit. See, and I, I think they kind of go ham on that one, don't they? I think yes, they, they do. do. That, uh, that one, that, uh, yes. That one's theirs to go ham on. Yes. I think they're at their best when they go ham on stuff that belongs to them. Yes. When they do their stuff well. I told them that. You, I told them last week my favorite told time. Them that. I do the favorite time <laughs> of white people. I like I like the gothic white women yeah. because goth is some white people shit. And they just get as pale as they can. And they rock it. And they do so, so ghastly. So, so good. Deadly. I love it. Um, also, somebody was talking about their saying. They yes. said, as if. Okay. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> they had Culture, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga. Where's your music, white Where people? They are literally not doing it the same. They, where's your Straight music? Straight up. You know what happened? Iggy Azalea. Iggy Azalea uh-huh. came out downhill. <laughs> <laughs> she was the beginning of the end. There was white vibe. That was it. Um, <laughs> that was a white that vibe. Was, that was it. Um, you know, you can have a go conversation. 2013, Miley Cyrus. Remember, she was in the news just for everything. Doing something. Uh, Black people been doing forever, just doing something, just hitting at it. Yes. And she was all. And that's the same thing she did because remember, Miley Cyrus also had her black face moment when she was having her big. Remember, she was, I'm in the club, in the club with my shades on. Tatted no up. You know, I didn't know she did that with Sean with, um, uh, ooh. I ain't listen to it. I Do was... you know, uh, Juicy J? She did a song with Juicy J and she was standing Wait in the Wait a minute, club. I do know that. I do. Yes. Yeah, okay. She was a black woman and they loved her when Miley was my Elia. Cyrus. <laughs> yes, they love my Elia. And they, I feel like they still do it again. They wouldn't hesitate to do it again. No, but she's a white woman now. She's white. It's just a brand. Ariana Grande did the same thing. It's a costume. Because we thought she was Hispanic for a second. I didn't realize that. Did somebody said her last name was Grandy oh, or something like that. It's actually not Grande. It's Grandy. It's Grandy. Literally, I, I saw, maybe, because like, I don't have a source on that, so don't quote. But I literally read this and I was like, you know, I, I believe it. I believe it. Yes, gay. It didn't take it. I was like, oh, yeah, I believe that. That's not surprising at all. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, do you think that money has a way or do you think that money changes the way that we view white on white crime? Uh, yeah, the answer is always going to be yeah. What 100%. way do you feel like it changes the way we view? I think um, people, and I think this you know, might just play into capitalism as a whole and it's it's the role that it plays in this um, glorification of violence. But um, you think of just even the terms we use, like white collar crime, is literally just crime for white people in the suburbs. Like embezzlement, that is considered one of those crimes that's oh, it's a it's a white collar crime. It's not this. It's like a that, white people thing. That that whole term is like black people embezzle too, but they just call it stealing when we do it. Uh, they just call it stealing when we do it. But that just that framing of it in and of itself, you know, even if um, even if if not intentional, and I do believe it was intentional, um, the way we use those terms. I think 100% changes the way that we knew it. Um, the way we view these kinds of things and like, um, and how at least we characterize the people who commit it. And I'll just say, I think so much of you know these issues that we talk about, it's just for the fact that white people honestly just get to operate as individuals. They are given that freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and for so many things that they can do that we can see consistently, we see a track record like we know who is doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I have not pulled a stat sheet up for people who have committed mass shootings in schools, but 
It's yes, it's the palm color people. Is is it us going in this country? Uh-huh. I don't think so. No. And this is not and like this is based on no research whatsoever. I feel like you can pull up a No, because niggas go to school and they fight. And they fight. And you know, and there might be other you know, they might want to obfuscate and you know, redirect with that. Oh, but black on black crime, you do this. No. We don't go into schools and shoot, shoot. five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. No, Is that don't. us? That's like, um. You know what's funny? It's a school that just, um, Van Rouge. It was a school in Van Rouge. That whole school, black, fought, fight. Really? They had 32 units called police oh. officers to the school. The whole school was fine. But they didn't bring not one gun in sight. Just hands. When the mass murder. No, it, it was a mass ass whooping. Yeah, which someone else probably needed. <laughs> so they wouldn't be up there but shooting not, people. But that's not Columbine. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's not Uvalde. It's not. It's not um, Sandy Hook. It's not. And I, I knew the conversation about gun control was irrelevant and needed to end when that man went in that school and shot all of them white kids and nothing changed. That was they should have hung that conversation up as soon as they saw saw all them white kids dead and nobody changed anything when they chose the guns over all them little kids it's in that the, school. The lobbying is so bad. It was a wrap. When you said um Sandy Hook, it reminded me of Alex Jackson, Alex Jones. Have you ever heard? Yeah, of oh, him? I know. oh yeah, he got in, he got big ass trouble over that because he was saying that the parent because he was saying Sandy Hook never happened. That is white on white violence. I'm so sorry. Misinformation to the point where you got other motherfucking white people believing that this shit never happened, sending the parents of Sandy Hook victims fucking death threats, notes and shit. Like, that's crazy. Insanity. Like, and that, and literally something like that, something that dangerous, just being, oh, well. Yeah. And the thing is, what was even worse is that I even got desensitized to it during the Trump presidency. That would be the most off the wall, hey, a straight up white supremacist is now in American <laughs> political uh, office. Uh, and uh, let me just say, an open <laughs> white supremacist is now there. Yes. And I was just like, mm, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about white. That sound, yep. that, that, yeah, that would be happening right now. So I wanted to talk about with this question of uh-huh. money. I, I feel like what money does in these types of situations is that it ties, it covers all of the crime that happens. Yes. So um, the example I really wanted to talk about is the Church of Scientology. Do, how much do you know about the Church of Scientology? I know a little bit. I know a little, little, very little bit. And everything I have read about it in passing, which I've never really sat down and done for research, is that it's a terrible institution. Uh-huh. I have, I mean, I know the stars are involved with it, um, like famous actors and yeah. whatnot. Um, but I know very little. I know it's expensive to be a part of. Yes. It costs money to join. Yes. Um, but I don't know really about what they're getting into, if I'm being honest. It's so interesting because like shit only shit like this only happens in in white spaces where there's a lot of fucking money. So the people who are over Scientology feel like they are God's gift to humanity and they are the saviors of humanity. They also believe that black people are cursed by the curse of Cain. So they feel like we're going to end up going to hell unless we completely convert to Scientology. There's no way that we can make it into heaven, right? So in order for you to become a Scientologist, there's like basic levels of Scientology, but the more money you give, the higher levels you go up to. So like the thing about Scientology is that because they make so much money, they have their own lawyers attached to the church. They have their own private investigators attached to the church and their private investigators 
are fucking nuts. Like they will, if you fuck over the search of Church of Scientology, they will stalk you. They will go through your trash, through your dumpster. They will be waiting for you outside of your house. There's nothing that you can do until they get what you want or you come up dead. So what I think the most interesting thing about church assignment, well, it's two things that are very interesting going on right now with the church. So the leader of the church who is, I want, his name is, um, what is it? David Miscavige. He is the leader, the current leader, leader of it. So his wife, Shelly Miscavige, has been missing since like 2018. So um, they believe she's just been missing. She just hopped up and came up missing. Just all the face um, of the planet. For like just two gone. decades. She's been gone for a while. No one knows where she's at. No one knows where she's at. That No one has seen her. And mm -hmm. people can't find no record of her being killed or dying or anything. So number one, they've been looking for her. So Leah Remedy, she was the one off of the famous um, sitcom. I know that name. I she is this is a white woman she got long curly red hair she was on like i want to say it was king of the hill king of the hill is, is it king of the hill uh see that's animated i'm trying yes to it is it's a one with the fat white man it's a little sitcom but king of queens there we go king, king of, of queens. queens that's what it was so leah remedy has been going against scientology for years looking for Shelly Miscavige because she has she's been a close friend of hers for years but um at the same time her husband David Miscavige has just started recently to go missing within the last three months because they've been trying to serve him papers for child pedophilia so he's been on the run no one can find him and they're still looking for Shelly Miscavige oh yes and they are completely they're they are what is it blackmailing people at the same time like if you don't give them the money fuck fuck the religion the religion is based off bullshit it's a money machine that's what it is and that's pretty obvious like any kind of religion where you got to buy in that's 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 simple you are the product you they are buying you you are buying a piece of they're selling you a piece of mind you give them the money the and this, the money covers it all. So like you yeah. got so many people coming out against the Church of Scientology, but they can't do anything because they got the PIs on their ass, or their lawyers are so fucking credible that they'll crush you in a matter of minutes. Like it's wild as hell. I mean, you think, and I think money has a lot to do with it. But you can read about people leaving the Mormon Church. Yes. Like, admit, I mean, you know, that's going to be pretty much all right. That's what Utah. Like uh, LDS Church. Oh, yeah. Latter-day Saints. Baby. No, the Jehovah Witnesses. Oh. They are getting ready to expose them for a child sex rank within the next couple of months. And it's so interesting how that is always the framework that we constantly find this in. Religious. They always hide it in that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that's just a powerful identity that you... But you really got to be careful with who you are giving that part of yourself to, mm -hmm. because it is the easiest way to get used, to get abused, to, get, to be just straight up. Just the cults in general, like yes. we were talking about earlier, they take advantage of people who are weak or people who are alone or people who need guidance. Who need that support. And they know that they have money and they got a little program or whatever, whoop de whoop, and you'll find your way to Jesus or whoever that greater power is. So another example of money covering up violence is going to be with the Murdoch murders. Yes. How much do you know about them? Like, like I said, I really don't know a whole lot. I don't know a whole lot about them, like specifically. Um, I know 
the general gist. You know, it was a it was a lawyer in a smallish town in South saying. Carolina. Yeah, and he he killed his family like two years ago, twenty twenty one, and thought he was gonna get away with it. I think that's the extent that I know. And then he didn't. Matthew, it wasn't just him killing folks in his family. No, well, I really don't know what happened. I really don't. It's okay. So the Murdochs were like over the entire town for over a hundred years. So like their great granddaddy was like a superior lawyer, and like he was over like all the surrounding counties in South Carolina, and it passed down for generations. So it got all the way down to the father. Paul Murdoch. So the first thing is, is that they fucking housekeeper came up dead. And what happened was is that they had a, a insurance policy on her and they killed her and told the police she tripped over a dog, stole the insurance policy money that was supposed to go to her kids. They never received it. And then they kept it. So then um, a couple years later, the, the older son killed and his name was uh, Boomer Murdoch, he killed a gay boy because he was DL and he didn't want to come out oh, out it. So they beat this white baby up and left him in the middle of the street. And people thought it was a hit and run, but there was no like circumstances of like um like glass, no time. Yeah, it was obvious somebody did that. So then they got he got away with it. So the youngest son. Um, the youngest son got drunk. He was like eight. They were in high school, got drunk, got on the boat, drove the boat around. And like he sped so fast, he ended up killing a girl on the yacht. She went up under the water and died, lost her life. And they, he tried to blame it on his best friend, was setting him up in the hospital and everything. I think the boy did end up going to jail for it. But in 2021, the daddy, Paul Murdoch, killed his wife and killed that youngest boy. And then um, he got away with that. But then recently, he tried to get somebody to kill him so that he could give his older boy, the one that was DL, the fucking, what is it, inheritance check for like $10 million. Oh, my goodness. White on white crime. If you break the law, if you murder then justice will be done in South Carolina. And I think South Carolina has shown to the nation and the world how a process can work and work well. Thank y'all. In South Carolina, if in 2015 you cover up the fact that your son killed his gay lover, okay, and then in 2018 you killed your housekeeper and then sued your own homeowner's insurance policy for $4 million, which you then stole from the victim's family. And then in 2019 in South Carolina, if your other son, while driving a boat drunk, killed a girl and you covered that up, and then in 2021, you at the dog kennels killed your own wife and your other son, okay? In South Carolina, we gonna get you. After 30 years and a bunch of other shit we don't even know about. And he was coming. He thought, to go through with that, he thought he was going to get away with that. You don't commit to that if you don't think you go, it's going to come out on your side. He was outside changing a tire and someone... I just, did read about this part. Someone rolled up on him and just shot him and he called the police. Somebody just shot me. Or then it was like somebody hit me in the head with a bat. It just, the story just kept on changing and shit like that. that and only motherfuckers like that will be able to get away with foolishness like that for years. And people were so afraid of the murder. The they would not come out and say shit. 
They killed so many people just for money. And like, then what's the point of you know exposing yourself to try to you know get up to get them exposed? And now they know who you are, and you live in somewhere middle of nowhere, South Carolina. Can't nobody help you, especially if those people if they run the town like that. No, it ain't nobody that can do anything. Nobody. Ooh, and then oh, I won't keep on talking about this because we still got to talk about the George brothers too down mm-hmm. in California. Um, no, Florida. Yeah. The George Blood. Do you want to tell them about them? I actually don't know a whole lot. Of, I was reading about these people and I saw all your points and I, I did a little bit of research on them, but I was like, damn. damn. I mean, I, I did see uh, the opioid pills and all that. And I, I think, you know, my uh, my interesting take on the opioid crisis, how I like to call it, is that it's a perfect characterization of how um, of how casually, you know, issues in the black community are discarded and how now you look at you know who's stuck on opiates, mm-hmm. the communities that opiates affect, mm-hmm. and now we have an opiate crisis. Man, now we have now it's a form. Oh no, we need to do something. Now we need to test the drugs we, we to make sure to, the drugs are safe for the white people because we can't stop them from doing the you drugs. Know, and now I'm reading about like harm reduction. Like I mean, people who you know do drugs and they're saying, hey, you can get clean needles here. Yeah, which I'm I'm glad to see the conversation shifting. Like I'll, I'll say in a meaningful sense. I'm happy to see anything that improves. They do that in Sweden. Um, but at the same time, I think about it and I'm like, it's never a problem till it's white people's problem. Yes. 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 So how am I really supposed to feel? You ain't supposed to feel nothing because uh, it ain't your dog and it ain't not, your fight. Like, that ain't none of your business. Like, honestly, I feel like that's part of it too because I, I think about this stuff and it's so upsetting. But I got to go to work. Yeah. I gotta pay. You I gotta, gotta pay rent. You gotta stay in <laughs> like, your black-owned business. Exactly. Yeah, that ain't got nothing to do with you. Uh, like you watch the crown and all the bullshit the crown got going on. I sit back and I laugh because it ain't got shit to do with my nigga ass. They don't give a fuck about me. Like, this what y'all was doing? All that foolishness with all that money and Jerome. For real, this is this is what y'all been getting into. So the George brothers are interesting because they are the start of the opioid crisis. Really? Like, yes. So what they did was is they created a whole bunch of fake pop-up medical pain clinics. And they're a set of twin brothers. And of course, they are white. Mm-hmm. They created all these different clinics and um they and they like blackmailed a bunch of doctors signing to sign NDAs. They got paid a shit ton of money plus daily bonuses and incentives. And they were just supposed to prescribe opioids and medications to whomever showed up. So people, it would be lines wrapped around all these different clinics. They probably had like 10 throughout the state of Florida. And then in the back of the clinics, they had strip clubs back there. So the twin brothers would pay for their clients to have like lap dances and Mm -hmm. sex parties and stuff. And they ended up racking in billions of dollars. Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars selling painkillers. That's insane. They are linked to thousands of deaths. Thousands of deaths. And I did my research so you don't have to. Here's a story on how two twin brothers, their mother, an ex-stripper, 12 doctors, and a pharmacy company spread the opioid epidemic that took over the United States, which then turned into the heroin epidemic that is running rampant now. Yes, you heard me right. Two twin brothers, their mother... An ex-stripper, a wholesale pharmacy company, and 12 licensed American doctors are responsible for so many deaths and overdoses across the United States and who else knows where. 
Picture here are the George brothers, two twins born into a wealthy family and a loving home. His father actually owns a construction business and builds plenty of the houses that are in Florida. In 2008, they opened the first South Florida pain clinic. Isn't it pretty? And I know you're wondering, how did they get so many doctors to work here? Well, first off, that wasn't their only location. They had five clinics spread throughout the state of Florida. Secondly, they put an ad on Craigslist to recruit all the doctors and made them sign contracts to swear to be heavy-handed with all prescriptions. On top of that, they got cash incentives on a daily and were promised that it was discreet. Does this look discreet to y'all? When you walked inside this clinic, you were greeted with a bouncer, smoke-filled air, a receptionist, a cooler only filled with Patron and beer, and management driving around race cars. However, nobody ever suspected a thing. I wonder why. When you enter one of their pain clinics, a doctor would meet you with a firearm under his white coat, asking you what you were there for. At the moment you asked for what you wanted, he would then write you a prescription. You would take that prescription to the front receptionist and pay them in cash. They only accepted cash. Their operations spread from 2008 to 2012. In one year, they made over $40 million. They spent their money on flashy cars, boats, clothes, and women. In the back of their centers, they had an MRI station that was actually a secret strip club. So while people were waiting to get their fix, they were getting lap dances that were paid for by the owners. They had people traveling from all over the nation to come to these South Florida pain clinics. Some were even traveling via church van. I swear I'm not lying. And I know you're wondering how this all came crashing down. Because the police never suspected a thing. They roughed up other pharmacies and clinics around them, were essentially the biggest gang around and drug pushers in the United States. This is going to be a long story, so you know what I'm going to have to do. None of that just becomes associated to white people by proxy. None of it. Because they're viewed as individuals. Exactly. They just, none of it. They, there, there are no social ramifications. And the thing is, is ideally, I would think we would all be viewed as individuals. But, mm. but no. When I, when I step out that damn door, I am the representation of the niggas of the United States of America. Of all black women everywhere. Yes. People really with a straight face having conversations about shit black women wear bonnets in public. I don't know if you were on the internet when yeah, that was going you and on. Monique open her big oh fat my mind. god! Like for real, like really having this conversation because because somewhere someone is convinced we got something to prove to people. White girls walking out in their little pajamas. Oh my gosh, I'm going to Target in my pajamas. And I'm have so... they booty cheek hanging out, and they then have they don't have the the nerve to bathe and shower. That's why I don't like violence. Walking around here stinking and musty <laughs> all day. That's why I don't. You sitting up here, your breath stink and my breath stink too. That's why I don't like violence. You attacking my nostrils and I'm attacking yours too. Different standards. That's hate. That's a hate crime. This is why this episode is called Vanilla Isis because they are terrible. I read that title and it took me out. When that, I read that, I was like, where did this come from? They, Starting off strong. They Hello. come from fucking Charlemagne. Charlemagne? That's God. something Charlemagne would say. That and I love it. Say. I loved it. And the final question of the afternoon. Are there any trends towards the glorification of white violence that is alarming to you? I'm going to be honest. 
none of it is alarming. And I feel like that's kind of sad. Because you normalize to yeah, it. It's not, it's, I'm so desensitized. It is everywhere. It is, it is, you know, unavoidable in a sense. You know, you look at something just as basic as, you know, a Trump presidency. Just the past, what, 2016 to 2020, um, you saw what people were doing during COVID. That was scary. It was to scary. To see how it was, I mean, it's straight, it was just white people were so willing to say, this ain't serious. Dude. They own folks was dying. Yeah. They were, yeah. This was not just, you know, relegated. It affected mostly black people as all these things tend Dude, to do. Yes. But they own people was dying out the ass. I think that's what beat them in the ass because then their people started dying. And it was people who would, with, it with no hesitation get up and defend that point of view or even wear a mask. No, yeah, you go, you in Walmart for five minutes and I just can't breathe. I can't breathe. Okay, like what? What are you really trying to tell us right now? Like you don't care about anything. There is no image that cannot be sold to you. Like all that man had to say was that it was fake, and they believed it. Mm-hmm. That was scary to me. I'm gonna be for real. Like that was a moment when I realized, like, you know, a lot of the security that we have is an illusion. It's an illusion. Yeah, it's an illusion. It would not take a lot to convince half of them folks to try to, to try to take it back. Speaking of taking it back, let's talk about. I feel like January 6th mm-hmm. was one of the scariest moments of the glorification of white violence yeah. that we've seen in America. Man, fuck. Let's talk January 6th as well as this last like attempt to elect the Speaker of the House. Oh, as well. yeah. I feel like that's another great example of fucking white violence. Damn, them niggas almost got the fight on the House floor. It's so, it's so normal and so ingrained that like you see it and some, it's hard to even recognize it. If you don't know to look for it and be like, oh, they, they bullshitting again. <laughs> like if you don't know to recognize it, they will just they will throw it under the rug like it was just another thing. The discourse around January 6th, literally, it was already insane that then people walked out of there. Alive, yes. Alive. They went home. Yes, they did. And they was coming back to Mississippi. They Florida. went to the house. Yes, they did. I mean, they t- posted their nice good pictures and put them on Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Yes, they did. And yeah, there was a trial. Yeah, they got caught months later. It was like a year for it was. a year plus. People had forgotten. For, forgotten. And you t- and like I don't even think we can entertain the idea of had that been black folks outside the campus. I don't even think we I don't even know how I don't even know if it would have gotten that far. I don't even think that No, they would have been shot down. That wouldn't have even been a count. January 6th could not have happened without white right? without that normalization, without that that embrace of uh of that culture of that like, oh, it's revolution. Yes, yes, and it's very true. And even um seeing white violence being enacted on um Nancy Pelosi, I feel like that's a great example of that because you see um during January 6th, those white people were going through the highways. Nancy, where are you? Come out, Nancy. They put their feet on her desk. And then, like, a couple, then, you know, in December, they was in her house and they attacked her husband. You I, didn't hear about that? I did not. They um, hit her husband. They broke into her house. She was supposed to be there, but she got called away on business. And they attacked her husband. They elderly. They in their late 70s. Yeah, those are old people. They put him in the hospital. 
and they already saying that her husband was gay so they was trying to spin it like it was his lover but he regardless white on white crime and that's why nancy pelosi stepped down from her seat uh -huh. and yes. it's just ridiculous but yes january 6th was one of the is the greatest example of white on white violence white on white crime definitely in the, recent history for sure for for white people to be so fucking for the police they killed so many fucking police officers during that damn time period. They did not give a fuck. They didn't care. I mean, and not even just killing, you know, like physically, like just politically. Like it is, they throw them on the bus. The thing is, is like that whole thin blue line idea, that's all there to support that ideal of white, of, uh, of white violence, of white supremacy. So if ever in any case, they are in opposition to each other. There's gonna be cognitive dissonance. There's gonna be a problem. Now you and we saw that for the Tyree Nichols case in Memphis. Yes. Because when we seen all them niggas kill that nigga, now that was black on black violence. But yes. I feel like this because of the proximity to whiteness and white culture within the police community. Mm -hmm. But where, where where were the white people that support the police so bad? Where was the thin blue line that day? When nobody protesting about them niggas going they to jail. They were on vacation. Look, they were smoking cigarettes. They were smoking menthol cools. They was not they worried was about them. Not worried about that. Not worried. That's not what it's really there to protect. It's not there to protect black people. It never is. It might incidentally, yep. if you happen to be a cop. I mean, they thought they were going to be protected, obviously, because they sat there and they beat that man to death and just happened to get caught. They thought it was going to protect them. No. You slash buddy. You still a nigga, <laughs> OJ. Please. So. It's just, I, okay, so January 6th is a great example of the glorification of mm -hmm. this violence. We've already touched on school shootings so much mm -hmm. because gun culture is such a large phenomenon in America that's not seen anywhere else. Maybe in Japan, but it's not seen anywhere else. It is else. not on the same scale anywhere else. Here it is literally cultural. Well, I feel like we could flip it and talk about the lobbyists. Because those are the ones who are really like, number one, keeping this gun culture in America alive. They are the ones who are paying the politicians not to make laws to keep us safe whatsoever. And then they're the ones that are making sure like these large corporations like Walmart carry guns in the mm -hmm. stores, easily accessible. They don't want to change the age. They don't want to add more thorough background checks behind guns and shit, too. And they don't want to lose, I feel like, that part of their identity. They don't have a lot. They don't have a lot. That so you agree that guns are another part of white culture? Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm being honest when I say I think, you know, people might be quick to, to point at, you know, predominantly black subcultures that glorify the use of guns. But when I tell you I don't see black people having the same cultural tie to guns, mm -mm. I really don't. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what white people like. Guns, Jesus. SEC and sweet tea. That's I mean that really is it. Like you that's it. I know. That's all they got. And if you take the, you know, they'll say second amendment, your right to bear arms. Realistically, if the federal government wanted to wipe our asses off the map, they could. Uh-huh. They, they gave you a number when you came out your mama coochie. Uh-huh. And assigned it to you. Yes, they did. If they wanted something from you, they would have it. They baby. would. Like girl, you work at Walmart, baby. Like it's <laughs> like, like it's 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 okay. You, they, they don't have nothing to take. If they if they want something, they'll come get it. That's what they said. They said if you want our guns, you're gonna have to come down and get it. Like, no thanks. You uh, can have it. We'll, we'll let you know if we need something. Okay, keep your slingshot, baby. <laughs> Please keep it. 
And the last part I wanted to talk about was like, I don't want to say it's the glorification of like pedophilia culture, but I do feel like pedophilia culture perpetrates white violence in so many ways. I think it's strange how like, okay, we have um, the Republican parties over the Senate right now, right? Mm -hmm. So you have all these white people who are demonizing the drag queens and trans community and they're calling them pedophiles, they're calling them child rapists and molesters, Mm -hmm. but everyone who is popping up arrested for pedophilia are, for the most part, white people and none of them are trans or drag queens. You know, I think on some level, I always thought like maybe it's a projection. I don't know, maybe it's ignorance. Maybe if they are just being told that, but I just, I think about that and I'm like, have these people have never, you know, outside of, you know, obvious pop culture references to drag queens, um, half these people have never seen a drag queen in their life. No, they haven't. And so what are you wait, what are you talking about? These people are indoctrinating kids. And then I I have never seen white women move faster than when I worked at a movie theater and Tyler Perry had a new Medea movie come out. I don't know what it is about that specific black man in drag that drove the 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 Republican Nuts. white women they crazy. Love them. Ate it up. up. Add it up. it up. Give me a spoon. I had the kids in there and everything. Oh, oh, I love Madea so much. <laughs> no. I just think it's very, very, very wild. Okay, so I feel like the Republican Party does not have any issues that they plan on solving because they're receiving money from lobbyists, from Mm -hmm. like gun control lobbyists. So what are they doing if they're not solving problems? They're making their own problems. Making making shit up. Literally, just making it up. And that is exactly what's going on, especially in Florida with Run the Samthis and the Stop the Wake movement. They not find shit but fucking demons. That's, That's all it. Like, bro, y'all made y'all made this whole thing up, and folks mad about it. Mm-hmm. Mad about it. He finna run. DeSantis is getting ready to end Greek life in all um, Florida universities. He's getting ready to end all CRT classes at college, yes, college I have, levels. I have read about that. All that Zeal Hurst long. Tori Morris and all the black artists, leaders, they all their books taken out of libraries. It's not just at a high school level, they said at a collegiate, collegiate level, level where you're supposed to be learning. And you learn the more you you learn, you more you see that, that that rhetoric works because you know, even though the people who are crafting it know what they're doing and they know they're anything. I don't think the people who are doing that are stupid at all. They know the image they've sold these people. They <laughs> they know they gotta they gotta up people, they know they need to make up a new issue. And they know what to push the buttons to make these people mad because they're not going to do any research. They're not. They're not going to do any research. They're not going. But they all they need is a place to feel validated in the identity that they were given as children. That same white supremacy, that same violent identity that they have been holding their entire lives. They need that affirmed. That's all they need. I do think that um, it's interesting because okay. Ron DeSantis is like one of the favorable picks for running for the Republican Party. But mm-hmm. the Republican Party is split down the middle because half of them are ultra mega Republicans that support Trump. And then you have those who support DeSantis. And I feel like they're both like the same type of evil. Um, same brand. But repackaged. Repackaged. He just, made, he, he just makes it look, I think, a little, I don't know, a little more. 
more palatable for them. He's not going to say all the English shit out loud, but yeah. he's going to do more vice and harm than I feel like Trump would because he's smarter than Trump is. Very smart. Um, but I think it's interesting to see the Trump and the DeSantis voters arguing and beefing amongst them each other. Oh, I and love seeing conservatives argue. They, 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 they have some interesting views on reality and the way they like tackle issues. Well, I just know they musty in one um area together. I know they real sour together. Bob just terrible. Yes. I do think that um they're going to end up hurting each other. Now, number one, I think the Republican Party is going to split within the next couple of years. Yeah. Number two, I feel like this Ron DeSantis Trump shit is going to like cancel each other out. I think this era is going to be so interesting to look back on in history. It's I want to know what happened. So bad. I don't want anything bad to happen, obviously. But I think looking back at this, like the state of like everything right now, politically, you know, in my opinion, I would even go so far as to say is like, we would not have had a Trump presidency without an Obama presidency. Very much so. I think they were needed. Yes. For, they, they exist in opposition to one another. They are, they are part of the same um, issue. Um, but I think looking back at this, seeing all this, you know, quote, resurface from like the years of like, you know, throwing a stone, hiding the hand, acting like everything was okay. You know, I didn't grow up in the 90s. I don't know. I know, you know, some terrible stuff yeah. happened in the, in the, in the 90s. Yeah. Um, like in LA, I, mean, I, I know everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I know, at least as we were growing up in our age bracket, I know racism looked a little different for us. Mm -hmm. Like, I never really had white people calling me the N-word out of pocket more than once or twice. It happened a couple times, but it was always old folks. But young people, it just looked a little different. They would be, they'd be more slick about it. Uh -huh. um, but I think seeing it really come out full force now, seeing people from high school saying with a with the uh, Make America Great Again Facebook profile picture. Oh, we're going to talk about that off the mic because I'm going to hear about that. I'm like, oh, um, real? Yeah, Make America is, Great this Again. Is we went, this is we went to school together. Yeah, bestie. Uh, bestie. And it, it's just been such an eye-opening experience, at least for me and uh, as I've like grown up in it, mm -hmm. uh, to see how like even my own opinion on race just changed once I saw like all this stuff was so normalized. And so cooked in, and we're just now talking about like the Santas and everything. And people are just voting on this casually. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I think I'm gonna vote here. Oh, I don't agree with this. Having a whole debate. And I'm like, Ron DeSantis dropped immigrants off at Camilla Harris' house. House. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. It was fucking cold outside. And they had no blankets. They left and pulled that stunt. And they were like, oh, he, he sure showed them. I'm like, y'all don't even think. This conversation is about people. No, they don't. They don't. They desensitize. And it's sad. It's sad. You stop and woke, but they need to wake up. And it's so funny because anytime I post my podcast online, white people tell me to wake up. They call me a sheep. They say, you need to wake up, you sheep. You stupid. And it's like, I could sit here looking at, looking at those same people right now, and I could, in two seconds, create a fake argument that I can make them agree with. Cause it don't take nothing. It don't take. It nothing. don't take nothing. They're not gonna be critical about anything. I already know they got a worldview, and they just project it everywhere. That's it, and it's all they've got. And I think that's why they hold on to it so fiercely, even in the face of evidence. Like, look, you got a supercomputer in your hand. We got more in the palm of our hands with our phones than people at, at any point in human history mm -hmm. has ever had. 
and you finna sit up here with a straight face and say a drag queen. Yes, it's indoctrinating is, the your, children. Your three year old. Yes. No, let me tell you about what this Republican said. She said um, they need to. She's the mothers of the Confederacy. Is no the mothers of the American Revolution down in Florida. She said another big issue that they having in the public schools is that the teachers are teaching children about their feelings. They said that is a problem because teachers have no right to be telling children how they're supposed to feel. She said teachers are teaching kids about empathy. How do you teach children about empathy? They give you an example. So if you have a child in the class that got two mothers, you would teach them to empathize with them and to understand. And then they bring that home and white mothers find that problematic. I don't know how they got from point A to point B, but they got in their car. Let me tell you something. They stretched before they started reaching. Yeah. Yes, they, they had did. to. They got real limber before they got to reaching. And they will do it effortlessly as long as they can reinforce what they already believe in. So Discovery Plus done fucked around and made a docuseries about Jared, the subway guy. And I knew he was a pedo, but damn, this motherfucker was sick as fuck. It was mid-late 2007 when I received a phone call from Jared. He just started to open up. He was very much wanting to go to fetish clubs. I asked him pointed questions. I wanted to find out his true desires. You did that before? Oh my god, you have no idea. What is the craziest thing you want to do, seriously? Suddenly, he drops a bombshell on me. I want to do everything. What about, um, when you're talking about someone who's young, how do we do that? I want to figure it out. We can work on that. Like how young? I don't know. I'm in middle school, whatever. Yeah, that'd be hot. Yeah. That'd be really hot. Fucking disgusting. And those are real recordings. It's haunting. When I heard Jared specifically state getting a child nine or ten years old, I was terrified. I did not doubt for a minute if given the opportunity, he would not hesitate to take that child. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves. You feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to She's a real nigga. Shout out to the real niggas. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. You are obsessed and sick. And we are back with the Big Black shout out, the blackest shout out in the world. For those who do not know, the Big Black shout out is an opportunity to help circulate black dollars back into our communities as well as for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems. So I have two businesses I would like to shout out today. And the first one is our classmate, Mr. Isaiah Thompson. Yes, sir. Yes, shout out to you, Isaiah. Um, I recently got a facial from Isaiah. He has, he is a barber at Custom Cuts down there at 106 North Lafayette Street in Starville, Mississippi. He cuts hair. He goes by the last hairbender. So, niggas, if your hairline is receding, if you like to cheat on your barber and or 
your face is dirty and you need your pores clean. You take your ass down to custom cuts and you tell Isaiah that Morgan sent you. And I ain't gonna lie, y'all. Y'all know I'll be smoking dope blunts and shit. My skin be real oily, but Isaiah knocked all the oil out of my pores. It was really nice. You look amazing. Thank you. I think I'm blowing like I'm six months pregnant, but we don't believe in children. <laughs> we don't. So shout out to you again, Isaiah, and shout out to custom cuts. The next business I wanted to shout out is going to be Potter Property Management. So shout out to Ms. Nadia Dale Colon. If you are in the Golden Triangle area, that's Starville, Columbus, or West Point, and you need a home, we have a home for you. And we have three bedroom apartments, two bedroom apartments, and one bedroom apartment starting at six seventy five. So bitch, if you is homeless, or if you are hopping from home to home because some of you niggas are homo, no, hobosexuals. <laughs> you bring your ass down to the pot of property management because we got room and board for you. Now, if you have a black-owned business or you know somebody that has a black-owned business, make sure that you are reaching out to me at the Afrocentric Podcast and emailing me because I would love to shout you out. And shout out to you guys both for running excellent black-owned businesses. Matthew, thank you so much for talking to me about Vanilla Isis, aka White on White Crime. Yes, ma'am. Wouldn't be in another place. Yes, I'm really, I'm grateful to have this opportunity to talk to you mm -hmm. about conversations like this just because I feel like everybody's not open to talk about this because it's a real ass topic and people are afraid. Yeah, people are afraid, people don't know, they don't know where to start with it. Um, and the thing is, all I started with was an opinion and like you, an opinion and a voice and being willing to talk about it. So this is so important. I was so happy to uh, be asked to be here. I think it's a huge privilege to reconnect with somebody, you know, that I grew up with, that I had that experience with. You know, that we, we're now adults and we've been in the world, we, you know, we've been in corporate America, we've been, you know. Let me tell y'all, so back in fourth grade, me and Matthew had the same class together. We had Miss um, Andy. Andy Dewey. Okay, so one time me and, and Matthew was playing on the recess on the playground and Matthew picked up a big ass log full of ants and threw it on me. Y'all, I do not remember yes, this. You know I, I, I was 11 mama, years old. I saw your mama <laughs> at Walmart a few Standing at the facial wash, I, I said, Ma'am, your son threw some ants on me. She said, Okay, I'm gonna get on. It was snitching. <laughs> it was. Because let me tell you something if the mosquitoes is the state bird of Mississippi, them ants is the state bear. They will attack your ass if you don't know no better. On a fourth grade playground, hot. And I'm throwing ants. I, look, I believe her. I really, I don't believe, I don't remember it, but it sounds like the shit I get into. I believe it. So before we go, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say something to the black community, anything that's on your heart. Uh, yeah, the only thing I would really say is on my heart is just to be willing to speak, be willing to, to if you don't have a platform, make it. Um, the example being where I am speaking right now, um, I think right now a huge important part of um of you know affecting change is really being willing to speak up because i don't think we've ever been in a time where it's easier just to be comfortable and be quiet like for the most part a lot of this stuff you could ignore it yep if you didn't feel the drive to you know research get up and and make a make a change you wouldn't have to 
you could get stuck in the loop that everybody else is in. Well, you know, things really don't make any meaningful change at all. Um, as we see, you know, it, it looks all pretty on the surface. Mm-hmm. One halfway bad thing happens. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Nothing really changed. We back in, you know, the 70s. It, it, nothing has really, really been changing. So I think a big part of, uh, of our future is going to be everyday people willing to say, hey, this we don't. Not right. this is not, and we believe in something, you know. Thank you. Um, I hope the black community really takes your words to heart. Let me go ahead and close out this um, episode. Matt, thank you so much for choosing to be Afrocentric today. Yes, ma'am. Please invite me back. I will. And I want to thank the listeners for choosing to be Afrocentric today as well. Please remember that black lives matter. Make sure that we are listening and protecting black women and children. And the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is be black and die. And here at the Afrocentric podcast, we're just civilized people having civilized conversations. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. They had the Bible, and we had the land. And they said to us, close your eyes and pray. And when we opened our eyes, they had the land, and we had the Bible. They said, thou shalt not kill, but they murdered millions. They said, thou shalt not steal, but they stole the land, and the riches on it. They said, thou shalt not lust our neighbor's wife, but they violated women, teenagers, and girls. They said not to lie, but they cheated with the cross in their hand. And yet they still turn to us and tell us, close your eyes and pray.